and by that I mean hi. Welcome, welcome to Telepathic TV. This is television that you watch with your third eye, and as always, I'm R. Neville Johnston. And I'm Mary Phelan, and our program is about raising our consciousness. And tonight we're going to talk about the concept of internal validation as opposed to external. But before we get to that, like always, we will introduce today in the Mayan. And it's six Kowak. Kowak is known as the thunder being. And tone six is a tone of balance. And the thunder being really talks about our voice and self-expression and finding that balance between speaking our truth and not unloading on other people. All right. And here's the glyph in particular. The rhythmic storm is today. The sixth tone is the rhythm tone, the heartbeat. And uh, the storm is often the catalyst. So I organize in order to catalyze balancing energy. I seal a matrix of self-generation with a rhythmic tone of equality, and I'm guided by my own power doubled. You know, I, I like that phrase, just I'm guided by my own power doubled. Yeah. I think that's something good to say every day. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, for years we've talked to people about uh, retraining your brain mm -hmm the point that the first thought in your day is I claim my power mm -hmm. which is a very good beginning and after a while well that evolves it opens doors and you become a different person you go through your day empowered instead of um, oh. dodging bullets or watching things come at you yeah that's a very good idea so let's all wake up every morning and say I, I claim my power I'm guided mm -hmm. by my own power doubled mm -hmm. and that is really powerful there's a lot of powers in those words there. Well, one of the concepts that we'll talk about first in, in this idea of internal versus external validation, we are brought up to seek external validation. We do one thing and our mother smiles. We do another thing and our mother frowns. And that gives us, um, that trains us how to be human beings here on the planet. We also have evolved over billions of years to be social creatures. That's how we survived. I mean, we have no large teeth. We don't run fast. We don't even have fur. But yet, we're the dominant, quote unquote, species on this planet. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that we're social and that we, by relying on each other, we become this stronger force that's able to, however you feel about that, it's, it's a it's a force that got us to move along evolutionarily. Now, where that makes us stand now is that we still have this primitive idea that we have to get other people's approval. Because in the old days, in the tribal days, if we were not approved of, we could be ostracized, which is a fate worse than death. Because then we have no network, we have no tribe, we have no, no team to survive with. So all of us have this platform of a biology where we seek external validation. And what we are talking about when we say raise our consciousness is to get up above what our bodies and our history and our DNA may have coded into it and start thinking in a more conscious way. One thing that we do know about external validation is it's a prison. When you depend on someone else to give you validation by their approval of you, you are in essence holding yourself hostage. You are selling yourself and, and saying, okay, I will do whatever you want as long as you approve of me. And that's when it, 
when that goes on enough in our life, that's the moment when we start saying, okay, I have to go inward and find the part of me that approves of me no matter what, no matter what other people may be thinking of me. Well, the age of the yes man is certainly over. There is um, an enormous amount of knee-jerk wiring in us. Uh, Dr. Eichmann, uh, uh, what is it, Lie to Me was the name of the show that was mm -hmm. based on his works. Um, <coughs> did, um, well, there was a number of researchers besides Dr. Eichmann during that time period where uh, one set up um, my mnemonic is Pilgrim, but, and I forget the uh, name of the doctor also that did this study, but what he did was he hired an actor who could pretend that he was electrocuted, and then he got a subject in and um, pretended that the actor was hooked to an electrode and would tell him to give him ever-increasing uh, voltage, <coughs> and the actor would act ever-increasingly electrocuted. And finally, the doctor would say, give him a fatal dose of electricity. And 60% of human beings did this. And they did it because, some percent, but a, lar a surprisingly large number of people, because authority was in the form of the doctor, not in them. They went ag against what would be humanity <coughs> based on orders. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's some sincere hard wiring. And the idea that your authority can be circumvented by doctor, lawyer, judge, policeman, soldier. You, we give away our power to salesmen. We give away our power to uh, guys calling, going, hey, have I got a deal for you? Uh, no, no, you don't click. Uh, you know, this is an amazing amount of this. There was another study done where um, there's like 10 people in a room, and this guy goes in and gives, um, um, say, 10 Coca-Colas to these people, which cost a dime in those days. This is how old the study was. And then he comes back about a half an hour later with a 25-cent lottery ticket. And almost all of the people bought the lottery ticket, whereas when he did not give them the soda, very few people bought the lottery ticket. So there's this quid pro quo. Yeah. Now we're wired that way for survival, except we've survived. A lot of people don't realize there's food now. There was a comedian making a huge number of jokes about the idea that uh, our parents, your grandparents, went, to, um, went through the depression or the repression or whatever that is. And so food was this desperate concept and you don't throw that lima bean away, you know, you know, that sort of thing. No, we've got lima beans now. Please, everyone just chill about that. We could go back to eating just enough, but we seem to have this, um, well, again, survival wiring that, uh, you know, all you can eat. I'm sorry, I don't want to eat all I can eat. Oh, that's what my niece. That's yeah, my say niece. that. Tell that story <laughs> if you want. Um, we, we took her... Well, all of us would meet at this all-you-can-eat place, mm -hmm. and she would get real sad. Why are you sad? She goes, because I can't eat all that I can eat. And I said, you don't have to eat all you can eat. Anyway, that was mm -hmm. uh, really cute. But, but this idea of, I know you brought up several new topics on that, which I think are all valuable enough to have a whole conversation about, but the externalized authority, but 
I do agree with you that we give way too much authority away, and I think that's that could be a whole show in and of itself. Completely. But by giving our validity to somebody, and I'm just going to pull it down into that more detailed level for a little while, sure. just till we finish this subject, and then maybe move on to that larger one. But we we have so much of our self-esteem is based on how people think about us. Uh, I would just ask you if you were to guess what percentage of your day you spend in a concern of some sort, either outright worry or just preoccupation with somebody else's thoughts about you or what they're doing, you would be amazed how much of your life you live outside of yourself worrying about this. And it is an epidemic, and it makes us vulnerable to these phone calls, to these, these doctors and these authoritarian uh, constructs that we give away our power within. But if we find our center, and this is what the Buddhists mean by becoming one with yourself, that you're no longer outside of yourself. It's as if we spend a big percentage of our life sitting out here, jumps into the other person that you're having a conversation with, and says, oh, I wonder what he's thinking about. How does my hair look? How do I look? Blah, 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 blah. Are they agreeing with what I'm saying? And we're so far out of behind our own eyes that often then we don't even remember what we were talking about with someone. We are so pulled out of our center. And really our spiritual life, our spiritual path is about walking to a place where you can get back in resonance with yourself. Oh yeah. And just the, the power that you hand over to people. I care about what you think of me means, here, take the reins to my life. Exactly. And people that don't feel their own power say, oh, thank you. I didn't have anything to have reins over anyway. I'll be glad yeah, to take yeah. your reins for you. Well, the, on the, there are planets in the immediate and local universe where there's no such thing as an entertainment industry because no one would show up for the movie or the play um, because people are, are way too interested in their own life to consider taking time from it to be entertained because their mm. life is so entertaining and one day that will be our planet as well. I picture Hollywood as sort of tumbleweeds and that's another whole story. As soon as we are concerned with other people's opinions of us, we are attached to outcome. And once you are attached to outcome, you're a ship without a rudder because you're, you have this thing on the horizon that the ship may or may not be going to, that you've lost your way. You've lost your, so <clears throat> I, a few mornings ago, woke up with so much on my mind that the first thing I said was, everybody quiet. Okay, none of that matters. Okay, and then I went through a normal set of meditations which took an hour longer than normal but I really had to tell everybody, as soon as I woke up, I had to tell everybody to shut up. I don't care where the sweater is. It doesn't make any difference if the phone call comes. Uh, it, this is me. I, I'm perfectly happy with who I am, and none of that matters. And then, not attached to outcome, then the events of the day, the very first thing that happened, I found the sweater. <laughs> it really didn't make any difference after that. So claiming your own power, you know, because, oh, where did I put this sweater? I know oh, I had okay. it in a suitcase. Now I don't know where it is. It's not in the suitcase. Where is it? And I put it in the drawer without thinking about it, so I had no memory of that. 
So this was the first thought on my mind. Who, who would give me the engineer that did that? You're fired. Take your relatives with you. Yeah, because it's my life. It, I'm not, my happiness is not where the sweater is. And that was the imposter that I woke up to, which is why I had to fire everybody in the immediate dreamscape. Because I'm never, when I come out of the dreamscape, I'm not, it takes me a while to figure out I'm back in 3D. Mm -hmm. But we do well, have to have authority. That's true. And in, in essence, what we're talking about or describing is codependency. Mm -hmm. It's been around for a long time, at least that term. And essentially what that means is that we do not feel that we are separate, independent individuals and that there is some authority or some judgment or something in the other person that is controlling us and that we are living our, our lives and loving ourselves vicariously through other people. So we will do something nice for this person so that that person will do something nice for us. Mm -hmm. And all of this happens underground and not very clearly. And everybody has their own system of rules with this. So what it ends up making is our, our relationships from hell, literally. You, you think, oh, I have this set of rules. I, I gave you this card, so you're supposed to give me your crystal, and that's my set of rules. And then when you don't, I feel angry, and I blame you for the responsibility in my life, and vice versa. When in essence, we gave ourselves permission to love ourselves, mm -hmm. that's when everything changes. The flip side to the codependency of relying on somebody else for, for their approval of you is that we then think that we have all this power over other people with our disapproval. And we become megalomaniacs with our judgment of other people. And I witnessed this one time, this elderly couple were walking through the store and uh, I was putting shoes on, trying on shoes with my son at the time. And they walked by, and for some reason in their rule book, it wasn't okay to try on shoes there. I don't know where I was supposed to do it. But they frowned, and they had all this disdain. And I remember it really bothered me, because back in those days, I still thought that other people's approval was part of life. And that was the greatest teaching I had along those lines, because mm -hmm. that taught me that they were they felt no control that these young people were trying on shoes willy-nilly all over the place and that they were losing control so the way they exercised control was to disapprove of someone else just watch watch during your day and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about next time your boss freaks out over something it's the same dynamic now other people's opinions of me I recognize as their opinions of themselves which I think is a very, very different way to go through life. As soon as someone expresses well, that's their where you opinion go about me, then I know that they are so intimately speaking about themselves uh, that if you call them on it, and we've told many times the story when I would wear cummerbunds and uh, Hawaiian shirts on the show because I like to have a very colorful presence. American men don't do much in the way of a colorful presence. But uh, someone called up and said, how gay, dude, was exactly the quote. And I said, why are you telling the audience, one, that your father disapproves of you, and uh, two, uh, what a horrible experience your prom night was? And we got like immediate dial tone. Whenever someone insults you, they are talking about themselves so intimately that if you do, and by the way, if you do choose to lop their head off with the razor, sharp sword their comment has given you, 
bear in mind they will grow back a new head and it will be marginally improved. So sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. It just depends, but it's not consequence that makes that decision. Primarily it's the amount of, is this really worth my attention? And of course that was metaphoric, cutting off their head. Mm. Just for the people that need instructions not yeah. to ride bicycles downhill with no brakes. Uh. <laughs> Everybody's where they're supposed to be, the walk. Oh yes, no, no, we didn't mean that. Sew it back on, he'll be all right. Give him a Band-Aid, that's good. Yeah, so this idea of an insult being an intimacy, intimacy, intimacy of that person frees you of ever having to be insulted ever again. All they've done is told you about some experience they had in grade school. Well, exactly, and, and that is the, the zone of silence that we get around us, which is our radiant field. When you are talking to everybody from behind your own eyes and you're not fragmented, wondering what they're thinking about what you're saying, and you're really hearing them and you're not wondering, oh, what is my next word going to be, and you really hear what people are saying, you're going to hear really what they're saying and not get caught up in that game. Exactly. Other people's approval, if they're <coughs> attempting to exercise control over you, it's their own fear. And as long as you see that, you don't have to. Yeah. So a validation, internal or external, is a very important question for us at this time. Now, I would like to cite the Wrights brothers. There they are. Uh, the Wrights brothers. Okay. How many people do you think told them, Orville, Wilbur, you guys are going to build something that's heavier than air and you're going to fly it? How many times do you think they heard that? That would be zero. So they're, well, except for the guy that wanted them to buy them a drink at the bar right before them, but still. Okay, so they got no external Perfect. validation, yeah. virtually no external validation which means they did that on internal validation. Mm -hmm. And because they were brothers, I'm sure one was more internally validated than the other. But nonetheless, and, and they actually made all the money, not for the airplane, but for the idea of being able to steer the thing once it's up there. They invented the rudder and the wing flaps and the rest of that stuff. And that's, you know, that's where all the patents came from. But that is an aside. So you and your brilliant idea, and, and you're going to expect someone else to recognize that and tell you it's going to work. No, because that's not the way it works at all. You recognize it, and you command it to exist. Or we've never heard of you. That's the way that works. And as soon as someone else's approval of it is mandatory to its creation, just wave bye-bye. That's the way that works. You have to self-validate because nobody's going to do it for you because they're, they're too busy. You know, it's like a... Well, they'll do it for you, but they'll, they'll charge you for it in, yeah. in the form of uh, Your misery, life. prisonership, yeah, yeah. And, and various things like that. And, I mean, it goes in both directions. People are equally afraid to give up the codependency just as much as let go of it exactly. with other people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, I used to be a megalomaniac. I really was. But now I'm a mellow maniac. Hmm. 
All right, Jerry's still out on that you one. You want to tell the story about authorizing yourself on the, yeah. the roadway? Okay, we'll just go into authorizing because that, that is a good subject and they very, are very linked. Well, we were on Route 66 going to Arlington. This was probably 10 or 11 years ago and traffic was completely stopped. And you know those little turnarounds. I said, I know a better way to go. I do not wish to sit in this traffic. And Neville said, well, there's a turnaround. And I said, oh, authorized vehicles only. And he said, well, authorize yourself. And I said, OK, I'll authorize myself. It didn't even occur to me that you could say authorize that in court. Yourself, yes. I was authorized. I mean, you didn't say authorized by whom that you could go there. Well, at any rate, what that did is it made me see this idea of some authority figure. And as we know, if you've ever watched the news, please don't, but if you ever have in the past, you can Never. see where people all the time follow this authority and not their own inner knowing. And that does not mean that we all have to be rebellious and unruly and not work as a team. We have to work as a team that follows our own inner heart and our own knowing and not to bypass that. Because I tell you, a lot of the pain and misery in our life is from bypassing our own knowing and our own creative force. I, I ate and we get mad once. at ourselves. It makes us I sick. ate something once. I really had to bypass it. Yes. Okay, now we have taught one billion times on this show at this point. Thought creates and where you place your attention grows. Now, the idea of human attention. Okay. Um, you have to place your attention on you and your life or say bye-bye. I mean, it does work that way. Now, if someone else places their attention uh, two people, one places their attention on the other. The one who has the attention placed on him, what can he do with the other person's attention? I mean, granted, sales, I mean, the, the way the society unfolds, I understand. But creative, creativity is from your attention. See, looking for other people's attention, well, much further down the line in sales, but it, it really isn't, what can I do with someone else's attention? I mean, thank you for attention that's paid. Thank you for all the rest of this. But the idea is that it's my attention that I have to man, that I have to command, that I have to place in order to get things to move forward in my life. And that's the way it works. Um, just um, in the, forgive me for this, in the metaphysical short stories, there's a short story called Co-Independence rather than codependence, which I was going to mention a while ago when it first came up. But you might be interested in the story co-independence, which is how it's just a completely and an ultra-dimensional look at the way attention works. And Sherlock Holmes plays actually a mentor in the short story, uh, co-independence. It's also a love story. Yeah. Well, I agree with the co-independence. I also agree with raising your kids to be independent rather than dependent. And mm -hmm. I think that's another good show. But I had heard something a while back about there being two, two forces uh, as far as attention. In nature, we want to, uh, if we're a, an elk and there's a lion there, we don't wish to have attention placed on us. We want to not be seen. When we are mating and want to be the, the winning one to conquer that, that arena, we want to be noticed and we want to be seen. And so the theory is that at any given time, we are either in the place where we want to be seen 
or where we are running from attention. And you can, I, and since I heard that, I've been observing that in people. Either they're there, here, look at me, blah, 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 they're looking at me, or they're running from attention, like, oh, I don't want anybody to see me, I don't want to be noticed, I don't want to have to take the trash is. out, I don't, yeah. You remember Kramer? Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember Kramer, but I don't remember. When he was smoking all the time and his face looked I'm like hideous. a baseball mat. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. okay, either you desire attention or you repel attention, depending. But, but, yeah. but I think it's an interesting thing to notice that within yourself. And what both of those are, the not wanting attention and the wanting the attention, are all externally based things. Once you can get over that, and we really do outgrow it, I think physiologically we outgrow it after a certain period of time, and certainly spiritually and psychologically we outgrow it. But sometimes it can take a long time, and there are people certainly that never do. And they tend to wear flashier things and dye their hair pink and have it out there because they want to be seen. They don't feel okay with not being seen. I think I'd look good with a pink beard. See, so you, you're a person that likes to be seen. I mean, yes, I'm yeah. here, look. Yes, I think, I think pink beard would look nice. I, I, I think plan so when my hair is completely white, dyeing it pink. Yeah, there you go. Because I think that yeah. would be pretty yeah. cool. Um, as yeah, that does work that way. It would be cool. Mm -hmm. You may as well. Life is to have fun, and that's what we came here to well, do. And if we're only now, validating our looks on our own opinion, or our creativity on our own opinion, our mm -hmm. home decorating on what we love rather than what our parents have passed down or the, the fashion magazines tell us, then we're truly happy. Yeah. So another aspect of attention that is to be understood is attention and guilt being synonyms. In other words, when we raise many generations in a row, I think it's 108 generations in a row, where our children are taught to value their own attention, mm -hmm. there will be no more guilt. We'll, we'll lose guilt a lot sooner than 108 generations, but um, that's what happens when um, the small child is playing in their world of action figures, be they Transformers or Barbies, and in this complete gothic novel of the child's imagination and the phone rings and the parent answers it and the kid runs over to go parent 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 and the parent goes you're okay and the kid goes wow that was a lot of attention and then values that far more than they recognize their own attention because their gothic novel was far more interesting than interrupting the parent if you see my point mm -hmm. But we're trained to interrupt the parent by virtue of the amount of attention we get for it. And that is the parental guilt, the parent of guilt. The more we see people that uh, mass murder want to be caught so that they can get all the attention. And the, the government's finally figuring that out. You're, as a um, jailed serial killer, you're not allowed to um, write the book about it. You're not allowed to talk to anybody about it. You will be forgotten as much as being put in jail can get you forgotten from the rest of the world. You know, so they are actually figuring out not to give these people attention. Prior to this, they got gobs of attention. I mean, guilt and attention well, are such bedfellows. Well, I do. Um, well, at least the attention in the way that we're talking about yeah, it. Yeah. And, 
And one of the reasons we seek that attention is because we feel that we're not good enough. And that attention then says, you know what, as much as you hate yourself and you're measuring everything that you've done, um, you're still OK. Look, this guy on the street over here, your teacher thinks you're pretty cool. So that, that OK, that's fine. But we never really believe it, because that's just a, an old program. If we can get past this need for it, this driving, craving force, that is that biological force of survival, what we mm -hmm. see underneath that is that we're really afraid to not have it. It's not really that we want it. It's that we are terrified to lose it and have it not be there. How many people have stayed in relationships that are not something that really is healing and growth inspiring because you're afraid of that being alone? I think that's really the bottom line behind everything that we do, even jobs ready to leave the job, even ready to, to walk that path of the unknown to get out of that job, but we can't quite let go. It's this fear that if we're not connected to this authority figure or to another human being or to this job, we'll that lost. there's some kind of thing. And I, I feel that if we confront that, it's the same as confronting death. And if you look at how you feel about death and how you feel about being alone, they're very similar. Mm -hmm. and, and if you bring your consciousness up to a higher level in regards to both of those, you really become fearless because nobody can hold anything over on you. You're not afraid to die. You're not afraid to be alone. That's when you start really living your life. So I would suggest everybody really look at how you feel about both of those things. And That's brilliant. It's yeah. going to be a... Now, need and greed are synonyms. And I'm agreeing with what you're saying. I just want to put another little point on it there. If you have ever called anyone needy, they are absolutely greedy for your attention. See, they're the same thing. I know. Yeah, I, I, need I and greed are the same thing. It's very good. Yeah. So the, that's the way the stock market works, per se. Mar any market works mm -hmm. that way. The more needy people are, the more greedy the provider gets. It's all the same. Yeah. It's just, are, it's are you the one on this side or that side? Yeah. But it's, it's exactly the same Exactly the feeling. same thing, yeah. yeah. So if there were no more, forgive the word, needy people, this would be instantaneously an advanced civilization. You couldn't measure how quickly this thing would come up to speed if everybody gave up need. And if everybody, in order to give up need, we have to give up the fear of death and aloneness. Exactly. So it all fits together. Yeah. Now, I have always said that if someone appeared in front of me with a gun, and I've had the experience in more than just being shot. I have too. Yeah. I've had a gun okay. held to my head. I would inflate my lungs, and I would say that I love you. Pull the trigger, because I know three things. I know my assignment is officially up. I know that I've done a very good job of it. And I know that I'm about to go on to something that is far more interesting than this. So do it. And don't forget I love you. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's wonderful. And, and I think Same that principle when, with being alone. when we have death experiences where we know what that is like, it's, mm -hmm. it is a, an easier thing for us. Uh, when we don't have any information on this and we're relying on some theology from church yeah. or whatever, it's a very different case. Even if you really feel this to be true, 
you've got to know that we are made up of multi-dimensions. And one of the dimensions mm -hmm. is the physical body. And the physical body will protect itself. It will feel the fear. But that we are not our physical body, but the physical body is part of our multi-dimensional self. And it's really in mastering our own attention that we finally ascend out of limited consciousness. Because if we can take our attention and hold it at the higher levels, but also be aware of what's going on on the physical levels, we can overcome anything in the physical body. This is what I feel that the, the yogis or the monks that are in Tibet in the caves and all over the world that devote their life to their spirituality and going inward, mastering the body. And there, there have been some incredible things, like walking over coals. Or I, I saw a yogi one time put a knitting needle through his jaw out the other side, and there was no blood. He pulled it out. There were holes that then quickly just disappeared after he pulled the knitting needle out. Very difficult to fake something like that. Um, there are things that we can do when we live fully in this higher consciousness. But we mm -hmm. never, ever abandon this one. But we have to understand its nature mm -hmm. and to be bigger than that. And so some of the things that we're talking about really are to transcend what the body is telling you. Oh, no, dying sickness. And to get your consciousness to still live it and be part of it, but not buy into it being the only dimensional frequency. And so part of that is that need and that fear of death and loneliness. Now, it's very, we teach the Mayan all the time. It's a very important study. It's a truth that you're not going to find elsewhere, uh, et cetera, et cetera, about Mayan. But what's interesting about the Mayan is that they, the winner of the original baseball game ever played, <laughs> as far as I can tell, at least with a rubber-based ball, um, the winners got executed. Now, to our modern Western mind, that's just unconscionable. We can't comprehend a thing like that. But having died myself, and you were saying about the theological-based information you get doesn't cut mustard, and I don't know what mustard has to do with it. Or cut well, it's definitely a room we walk through, because we gain something from every room that we walk through, but we're not supposed to stop keep going. No, I just wanted to say about the Mayans, it makes perfect sense to me that they would execute the people that won the game. Because as soon as you're dead, oh my God, there's no, pardon me, the pun I mean, not God. Uh, the idea that um, death is such a thing to celebrate, we have no idea of it in this society. Well, and just I, that makes perfect sense to me that the winners, I would go there and play to be a winner. As well, a part, I don't you know. know I, you could see how modern man would play to be a loser in a game where the winners get killed. Well, I think what it is, is losing fear doesn't make you go to the other extreme. Ah, I want to commit Harry Carrier, you know, stabbing yourself. Oh, no. Oh, I've got to get over there. I, I know years ago I had a lot of friends that would talk about, oh, this horrible place. I can't wait to get out of this because the other oh, no, life. I'm not yeah. saying that you're saying that, but um, that there, there's, it's so much better out there. I can't stand this stressful world. It's so non-spiritual. But in fact, we can't transcend this type of uh, incarnations until we love it, until we see that it's beautiful and that mm -hmm. every little thing that we experience has its beauty and has its teaching and is no less significant. 
even though I do speak of this as being one level of awareness, each level has beautiful things to offer. Mm -hmm. And if we accept all the gifts, then it's like if, the, if you answer the door, someone's delivering a package, after you open the door and you take the package, they will no longer knock on your door. Mm -hmm. And that as long as we're here, there are so many things for us to explore. And when we're done, that's when it is our time to go and we'll know it when, when the time comes. Yeah, I remember years ago going through the uh, Sekim initiations when this was all completely new to me, the mm -hmm. Sekim. And um, in that mindset and, and caffeine impulsed as I may have been in that time period, I went through them pretty rapidly, but looking back on the experience many years later, there was no reason not to have taken as much time. Mm -hmm. You know, you would just sort of hear that ding, oh, time for the next initiation. See, I didn't, I, I hear yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, I, you, I did I do mine slowly. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I still, I do everything in my own timing. I mean, yeah. there are some things I, I race through, but I do hear mm -hmm. you. Yeah. You've got to listen to your own timing. But each level has its own um, ambiance. Mm -hmm. Each level has its own, its own set of accoutrement. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to just uh, stroll through life or uh, slow dance through life as opposed to um, the society we live in consumes, um, what, a billion gallons of coffee annually? <laughs> how, how much coffee does this country drink? And I, I noticed there's this, uh, if you're loaded on caffeine, everything has to happen rapidly. <laughs> Let's drive to work. As many cafe lattes <laughs> as I want. Yeah, and, and you go, you know, it's just not the way that works. You, you uh, what, drove to work? Yeah, I think well, so. Well, you see, this is, this is what gets approval, yeah. this, this idea that everybody's expecting this of you. If mm -hmm. you look at us as a race of beings here in the United States, the D.C. area, the Met cities Somebody's here, gonna win. our lifespan is not getting more. It's getting far less. Look mm -hmm. at how many people are dying at really young ages. Uh, I know this is not a pleasant thought, but I, Deepak Chopra told of this many years back um, about an experiment he had heard about where they took rats and put them in an aquarium, a glass aquarium, and they swam and swam and swam yeah. for their lives. And right before they died, they would take them out and let them rest. And repeated this for X amount of days until yeah. they finally died of old age. And when they dissected them after they died, they had aged as if they had lived a full three-year lifespan. Now, this is what's happening to us. And I have said on the show before, and I know it's a bold statement, but if you have people working for you and you and you feel that you have to hit them with sticks to get them to go faster, this is a not-so-slow form of murder. It really is. And you have to rethink what we're doing to each other. It, it, our, Robert Fulgham says, sticks and stones can break your bones, but words can break your heart. Words can, can really do a lot to each other. We have that power. It's not a power that really we have to have. But our society, our belief systems has set us up for that. Mm -hmm. And we can make a difference right now by looking at things differently. Mm -hmm. And if your boss is doing that to you, you don't have to wait for them to stop. You get back into what's real and what's important. And is this worth risking your life over? W staying awake, worrying about some feigned deadline by some software guy over there. Is that really worth giving your life up for? Take power. 
You can use that oh, to exactly. get your life force yeah. back. And the um, language codes has uh, uh, reveals a lot of how this stuff works. Yeah, that's true. The language code says there is no word late. There is no word early. And in fact, there is only on time. You cannot possibly be anything but on time. It has never been done. It will have never been done. The, the book says um, you point a telescope to where Mars is supposed to be. Mars is not there. You don't say Mars is late. You say there's something about Mars I don't understand. And that's true. Yeah, and, and there's no the such language thing. codes or hidden language codes? Um, Hidden I think, by I think hidden, yeah. 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 So, you know, we, if we would put down, and I've seen people become livid when I've said there's no such thing as late, because they've been beat with that particular whip their whole life, and for someone to just cast it as though it's nothing well, without any is, background to explain why I say there's no such thing as late, you know, you can see how that would work. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, just the idea of a clock. I mean, it was invented in the 1200s or whenever that was yeah. to get monks to come back in to, out of the field More to do pray. pray, pray. Yeah. It's just a little measurement of a click, click, click. It's not real. But our bodies, our consciousness really does have a timing that we are, have been so distanced from. And that's mm -hmm. what we yeah. crave. That's why yeah. we wish to leave this world, this nine to five world. It's not the nine to five world, it's that sense of freedom and being able to rely on your own self. Oh, yeah. Another thing too is we never look up. I just wanted to mention that. I went away on vacation to the beach, which I love going to the beach. I, I just love it. One day I will live near the beach, I just know I will. But I noticed that when I went away, I looked up and I saw the sky and I would lay, even if it was into the mountains and everything. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I was in my day-to-day -day work, I was looking at the ground all the time, that nose to the grindstone. You can change everything just by looking up. There's a word in French. So many languages have concepts that are not in other languages. Mm -hmm. In fact, you'd really have to speak all of the languages on the planet to come up with the nuance of what it is to be a human being. Mm -hmm. There's a word in French that describes a person that lives on the second floor that has a balcony over the street, meaning that that person will be totally invisible to all the people on the street and therefore be more observant of humanity. If anyone speaks uh, French well enough, I would really dearly love to hear uh, how that word is pronounced. But you understand the principle. The, um, uh, I don't remember the word. But you can see how you could just be sitting there sipping coffee and you would hear everything that went on and no one would know any of People that. People that don't look up miss a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, true. yeah, it is true. So, but that's all of us. It's mm -hmm. amazing there aren't tree-dwelling well, beings I mean, that have taken us over. When, when I noticed that, it changed my life. Mm -hmm. I, my whole work experience was different. I would go outside at night and look up at the moon and I would say that's the same moon as if I was at the mm -hmm. beach or somewhere else. And that that's one of the reasons I loved going there. That so anyway, teaching. we're giving you maybe some food for thought and mm -hmm. some ideas on how to look at your life differently. And write down a list of all the people that have the most power over approval and disapproval in your uh -huh. life. Mm -hmm. And really examine this and say, what is my real fear? It's being alone. It's being fired. It's being abandoned. It's being... The one and yeah. only authority mm -hmm. figure there is on this planet is you. And what if makes us 
angry if, or hurt if somebody disapproves of us is we disapprove of ourselves. I'm exactly. sorry, what were you saying? If your boss tells you to go to France, who tells your legs to get on the plane? You choose to do everything that you do. If we all suddenly owned that, there would be no military, there would be no war, there would be, it would just be it an advanced happen. planet. It will happen. Mm -hmm. And here comes the duck. Dun, dun, duck. Here's our dangler. Hi, dangler. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. I got purpose. Two purpose. came out. It was purpose and release. Your purpose is to release. You have to release before you yeah. can take something else in. Commitment and support. Interesting words. Hmm. Thank um, you. It's so many to of us commit are, to yourself. Yeah. So many of us are not committed to ourselves. It's another endemic. We can be committed to the boss, to the paycheck, to the money, to the mm -hmm. spouse, That's to true. the kids, to the whatever. But it has to start with being committed to yourself and then to others. The actual percent, it would be 49% love of others, 51% love of self, for the simple axiom that in order to be there for the someone else, you have to be there for you first. But you, you know, a lot of people you. think, oh, yeah, I can do that, but it's so selfish. That means I'm going to shut everybody else. Yeah. But really, when you truly love yourself, because you love in others what you love in yourself, you hate in others what you hate in yourself, you mistrust in others yeah. what you mistrust in yourself. So if you love yourself unconditionally, trust yourself unconditionally, you're going to feel that way about everyone else. And what better thing can we do when we're here mm -hmm. other than that? Yeah. And if you are doing it, by bypassing yourself, it's not real, and you're going to have those blow-ups occasionally, and it's just not going to be authentic, and people will know that. Do we have a call? No? Remember, Unusual. you can call in at 571-749-1166. Mm -hmm. And if you're listening to us online, you can still call that number. And if this is recorded, or if you're watching this taped, we are uh, Thursday nights, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can call in from anywhere in the world mm -hmm. at that time. So in finding ourself, in finding our power, in becoming more advanced, in becoming, what is the word, excited about our life, mm -hmm. it is to discard as much as it is to take on. There is so much programming that we've all had in our life that, let me just say it, doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It's anti-vitality. We look for and suck down anti-vitality elements when and wherever possible. It's astounding to smoke a cigarette. I mean, just own it, you're committing suicide. Nothing personal if you smoke. I mean, you know, I don't mean to be offensive to anyone. I'm just saying the amount of, of things we do the, a lot of destructive behaviors that we have are just programs of this really isn't the ideal planet. Well, yes, it is. This is a gorgeous place. Well, we, yeah. we always feel that we have to pay for every happiness with some kind of a misery. 
And mm -hmm. so perhaps yeah, well when put. we do the self-destructive things, it's so that you can be happy later. I remember observing that we are far more comfortable being miserable now with the promise of something wonderful than we are being happy and the fear of something bad coming. And that a lot of people base their lives on that. And that things are, if we believe our approval is an externalized thing, then we're going to believe that every event and everything that comes into our life is yeah. an externalized thing. And so that can make you feel very, very afraid and very um, out of control. Yeah, religion. So no wonder people control things when they can. Religion made a bundle on that. You know, you'll be happy in heaven, suffer now. I know. Well, yeah. that's, that's in our subconscious. Have we woken up yet? Which, yes, yeah. we have. Okay. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Emily. Pardon? Emily. Emily, hi. hi. What can we do for you? Uh, I just was wondering what you guys think about relationships. Ah, well, you know, that's that. We probably think a lot about that. That could mm -hmm. be a whole show. We have done Maybe. shows on that before. Now, do you mean like male, female, or or romantic? I should say is a much more inclusive way of saying that. Do you mean romantic? Yes. Well, um, in what way? Just to narrow it down, because Neville and I could probably both talk about that for a couple of years <laughs> straight. Do you mean uh, like like the codependency f element of it? Yeah. Okay. Well, I first of all, I think one of the biggest and best and vibrant playgrounds that we have to explore our self-love and finding the two yin-yang male-female elements within ourselves is in our romantic relationships, because that's where we study the power, the power balance. Um, all relationships go through a, a couple of cycles, that honeymoon period where we totally deny that we exist and we only see the other one. And then we start realizing, oh, I exist too. The other person exists. Let's, let's see how this can work. And then we go through our period of either days or years of territorialism where we're fighting for our own space and our own right to be. And sometimes that will go on for the whole relationship. It goes through these phases. And it's a beautiful opportunity to see yourself because love brings out anything unlike love so that it may be healed. So if you look in those really intimate relationships and find out what is really being called out, know that that's an aspect of, within yourself that's coming out to be healed. And it's a whole uh, different ballgame. And all playing. relationships are relationship with yourself. That's exactly There's the no point, question yeah. about it. If you uh, live alone, you will create your own drama without the aid of another human being, <laughs> so that you will indeed evolve. So there's no way around this. That dishwasher. Except through it. Yeah, no, it will start to be the appliance. That's how All you get. All the water you appliances are leaking. Yeah, so you're emotional. That's Canceled. what that means. Yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, that's how all these movies about Matrix was born out of the whole thing. I'm certain the person I know is one of the brothers, etc. But the inventor of the Matrix had to have been living alone because then he could see that it was all part of, you know, it wasn't about other people. It was about the big picture of the existence. So, so if you want to write your own version of The Matrix, live alone. <laughs> and it'll work that way, at least as far as I can tell. So please, call in. We're about to be at Ruby, roll the R, Ruby Tuesdays in Fairfax Circle. Uh, at about uh, quarter of 10, probably, we'll be there, five minutes of 10. 
So if you'd like to join us, please do. And we sit around after the show and, and uh, talk. Yes, that's it, talk. I knew we did something. And sometimes and, we listen, too. And we'll be, um, uh, I'll be at Sticks doing readings on Tuesdays, I think, is what's going on there. And what else are we doing this month coming up? Uh, well, I'm getting ready to start a new psychic development series. I haven't excellent. done it in a long time. And that's in October. It's on the website. And my tarot um, stories and games is this Sunday. And our mm -hmm. fire ceremony is Saturday night. Excellent. And um, I've got a bunch of other things posted online. I'm going to be doing EFT cer certification stuff, which is an, an incredible experience just to go through that, let alone learning how to do that for others. It's a very in-depth thing. And it's all on the web, and you can, there's a lot of things to do at telepathictv.com. So go have a look. There are games and readings you can do on there and stuff like that. But I, I guess to sum up some of the things that we, we've been talking about tonight, is look in your life where you're giving your power away. And what we mean by that is if anybody has the power to hurt you by their look, their thoughts, their words, their body language, then you have given, not literally, but metaphorically, you've given a piece of yourself saying, here, you hold that for me because I can't. It's selfish if I hold it. And so we will find the perfect person to come and take that and maybe even appear to abuse it so that we can get the message that we have given something away instead of shared it. And likewise, don't take it on from others. And I really think, too, it's in part because we're so afraid of making decisions and being blamed for something that we're always giving our power to somebody else so that we can blame them when our lives don't go well. Time to pull it back home. Don't blame yourself. Just see why you're creating it and learn from it. Oh, excellent, yeah. So, uh, as always, you can uh, uh, phone us at home if um, the show has slipped by you, and we can uh, assist. This is what we do. Yeah. And I'm working on yet another book, which will be called The Dreamster, which is the second book in the Dreamist series. What's funny is um, I was dubbing, or we are dubbing tonight, some yeah. uh, DVDs from 2002. Neville and I have been doing this together since 2000. And um, you were talking about the dreamist. You had just written, written your ideas for draft, the short yeah. stories down. Mm -hmm. And so here it is already in book form and things like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and the second book in the series, so a brief mm -hmm. 10 years later. But yes. uh, all the rest of that. And um, I'm dreaming Dreamster into a movie. And, and uh, I am uh, working on a dream interpretation book. Excellent. So yeah. mine's nonfiction, yours is fiction, but they're mm -hmm. both something for everyone Both teaching and uh, yeah. very fun mm -hmm. so well that's wonderful go back in your life empowered wake up tomorrow saying I claim my power and I am guided by my own power doubled and how wonderful is that I'm going to that's do that wonderful. every morning oh, yeah. people don't realize how hypnotizable we are and if you go on regular commercial television with the cadences, the flashing, the flipping from screen to screen, you are being hypnotized. Mm -hmm. So why not take this power to be hypnotized and do it in a way that really serves you by saying things that are really loving, like I claim my power. Yeah, take command of your own life. And as you television, fall asleep? Yeah, television is specifically broadcast at uh, 30 frames a second, which is exactly the point where you, you go off. Yeah. That's why. Turn on TV, four hours went by. What happened? Well, I, there was a movie about 
Well, there, you know. there are certain frequencies of light flashing that mm -hmm. can make, you, make epileptics have seizures, and the police cars are at that frequency. I get migraines when I see it. I, I yeah. have to really do this when I go by a police car. But some of the TV programs, how they flash one, one screen to the next so quickly, yeah. uh, and I know we're getting low on, low on time on the done. show, yeah. um, but it is. And on as purpose. you go to sleep at night, say your positive affirmations, I love myself unconditionally. It was our joy and honor to take you to the door. And there was something else, but I don't remember. We'll get it by next we got week. Next. Thank you.